morning, Janet Anscombe. Good morning, Claire. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Listen, can I clear something up, by the way? As mm-hmm. my people might know, the English Time Radio programme returned to Radio Sur two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping you'll be on it this week, Janet, because what I want to do once a month is have a group of people on air looking back over the stories of the month. So this is my official invitation for you to join me on Thursday by phone. And please. that is already in the diary. Good woman. And somebody, <laughs> I think slightly tongue in cheek, said, sent an email saying, is this only for English people? <laughs> oh, can I use Canary Cast to say, and I think people know that, it is a programme that is in English, which is why it's called English Time, English not time. for the English, because it would be very odd if I was presenting it and it was only <laughs> for the English people, because people might have guessed I'm Irish. So just to clear that up, <laughs> using one platform to clarify another. <laughs> yeah, it's in English, not for English. Well, it is for the English, but it's for other people as well. For lots of other people. Exactly. And even people who mightn't have English as a first language, but don't understand Spanish. I mean, there are some listeners who find information easier to digest in English than in Spanish, if they're from- Yes, indeed. From, yes, other, indeed. from other non-Spanish speaking countries. Um, exactly. We're going to go back to one of our favorite topics to begin with. Stay stay online as well, people, if you want to find out about tax and ERTE, which is kind of a hot potato right now, because we, we're talking to Karen Cochran about that in a few minutes. Um, let's just return to the thorny issue. Is that a pun? Thorny issue of vaccines. <laughs> um, well, there's a it's got a little thorny prick. Well, it is a pricky by the pricking of my thumbs. <laughs> I'm still yeah. waiting, well, Janet. I'm still waiting, but uh, and I'm I'm a 61er, um, and in fact, my lovely neighbour from Santa Cruz was down at the weekend, and she said her sister-in-law, who is the same age as me, um, just got a text on Friday that she has to go for her vaccine this week. So that would be in the Santa Cruz area. So I'm kind of feeling hopeful that I might be jabbed this week or next. So, I mean, it seems to be going quite well, the pace of, of or the rollout. I think it is. Carolina Darius is the national health minister. And she said, I think it was a week or two ago that she was anticipating a huge number of doses arriving in Spain um, over the last week. And in fact, confirmed in the last couple of days that we've had a phenomenal amount of doses, but more significantly, she said, not only are we now sort of, it's like a steam train building up ahead of steam and suddenly you reach cruise control, if you like, it it is sort of just chugging along now, but it's about to get a huge um, impetus because more production has been approved for Pfizer in the EU. And talking about hundreds of millions of doses, to be distributed through the whole of the EU and Spain obviously will get its fair share. I have to say that, okay, everybody knows the EU's start was slow, but now, now they are really up to speed and increasing production. Yeah. So that, and of the EU countries, Spain is in the top handful in terms of getting it out and to the regions and to people. 
So they are doing extraordinarily well. The canaries themselves are doing well. We've now got the Magma Center, the Fer Recinto Ferial in Tenerife alone, huge processing centers, along with the primary healthcare HQ in Santa Cruz, together with the hospitals mm. like El Mojan mm. in Cantabria. And that's only for the mass centers. Those I, I love the way they're calling them vaccine drones. Yes, <laughs> a backdrome. <laughs> Love it. And of course, other people are going to their uh, local health centers, their local GP surgeries. And all in all, wherever you look now, you are. Th there was a time, do you remember, it wasn't that many weeks ago, where we were saying, we'd, I don't know anyone yet who's had the vaccine, do yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. And yet now, there are not that many people I know in my age group or my circle anyway who haven't had it. So they are clearly getting these out and administering them as well as getting the doses to the regions. As a logistical exercise, it's bloody impressive, actually. And haven't they started to also now administer the Janssen single jab vaccine too? Yes. So, I mean, there's now yes. four different vaccines being given to different age groups in Spain. Yeah, that's right. You've got the AZ, which is at the moment only being given to the 60 to 69 year olds. Yeah. And the others are getting Pfizer and Moderna. And from last within the last week, they've still got the approval from the European Medicines Agency to start administering the Janssen vaccine, which they already had supplies of. So exactly. they could do just... that. And I've heard of a few people who've had the Janssen one dose vaccine in the Magma Center. Brilliant. Yeah. Janet, there was also a scare doing the rounds with regard to private patients and the vaccine. Now, you've, you've got more details on this than I have. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's bad enough that there is confusion with regard to private patients. I mean, the national government is clearly saying that private patients should speak to their insurer, and we all know how that's working out. <laughs> it's not working at all, the words. Um, but... So we, we've had no choice but to say to private patients, everybody knows you're going to get your vaccine. Everybody knows it's going to happen at some point. We just don't know how and when. And just hold your horses for the moment. And in the last week, it's become apparent that there is a story going around that these people are actually going to be vaccinated by their insurers, that this is the new arrangement, that they will be vaccinated by through arrangements made by private insurance companies and charged for it. Some people who've heard this story have been told that the charge being made is in the thousands. And one and one person has told me that they are, well, they were about to, I hope they have now changed their minds. They were about to cancel their private medical insurance because they were told they were going to be billed for this without their consent. And it was going to be added to their premium and that next year, if they didn't cancel, they were gonna to have to have about three grand in the bank just to pay for the vaccine and their annual premium. If they had canceled, that would have left them without private medicine, possible legal action because they canceled a policy they weren't entitled to cancel, no vaccination and no cover in the state system. Yeah. This story is completely and utterly false. So it's, there's no truth to this story. There is not the slightest grain of truth in it at all. First of all, it is a public health program. Public health means it's free. The government wants you to have this. It gives it to you if you want it and doesn't force you to have it if you don't. But there is no question of charging. It's like putting um, 
oh, I, I don't know, it's like babies having vaccinations for diphtheria or yeah, polio. You're not charged because it's a public health measure. So nobody can charge. Second point is only being unrolled. The COVID vaccines, as they are approved, are added to the national rollout and they are administered solely through the health system. So there is no mechanism nor wish to roll it out through the insurers. The only involvement the insurance companies have been asked for is to give names and details to the local health, so that's to the regional happen. health departments, so they can, and they haven't even done that. <laughs> and so that's we don't have been. private hospitals buying batches of vaccine, either from the Spanish they government cannot. or from the European. They cannot. They cannot. They cannot. So they if cannot. you hear this story and you feel like taking action against your private insurer because you think it's true, don't. Absolutely. Do not please only use official sources of information. Yeah, I know it's frustrating, and I know some people are worse than frustrated. They are frightened because they are some of them in their seventies, one or two in their eighties, private medicine only, and not in the state system, and now no means of getting in the state system. No, no and no. they have not yet had the vaccine, and they are fearful. And that that's understandable, particularly since we are all talking about, or oh, maybe tourism will resume and maybe the Americans will come and you know have we still got flights from India coming in people are scared and it's all very well saying they shouldn't be so silly they are scared well and, I'm scared you know, still I mean I want exactly exactly and I mean you know I had a very interesting um chat during the week I was hosting a, a streaming event with international authors but authors who live here and write in English or live abroad but have written about Tenerife and we discussed um, COVID in fiction and COVID on screen and in, in television series and stuff. And one of the things that generally was felt was this isn't over, so we don't know how it's going to end yet. So how can we include it in our planning or in our fiction or in our novels? But the, it's, it's not over yet was just very much to the fore. And I think we all have that in the back of our mind, whether it's about vaccination or travel or making plans for next year or where our kids are going to go to study. Ever present is this, I mean, we think it might be nearly under control, but we don't know. No, we don't know. And we don't know what other variants are going to be um, arising. And I think in any case, from a very personal view, it sickens me to my core that anyone is saying this is under control when people are dying without oxygen in India. In their thousands on every day. It sickens me to my core when, when people say this is, you know, this, this is over. We'll have the Olympics in a couple of months. We'll have tourism back this summer. People are booking in their hundreds to come back. No, they aren't. You are trying to talk it up and people are gasping for breath and dying their last in India right now and America and Brazil and throughout the world yeah and this isn't over yet it's not over by a long talk in my opinion i i agree and, and i think that is a it's a healthy well healthy is the wrong word to use i think it is something that we all need to keep in mind you absolutely. know absolutely and haven't we said before now that this is a new world and it's not just a new normal it might be a new world and i think the way they did the oscars last night for example was so very good instead of having people jetting all over the world Yes. You have you have a centre in a country like the UK for nominees in Europe, say, and you have the people in America, and then you have people on Zoom, and you have a, 
you just do not have people cheek to jowl anymore. No, no, lying no, around, no. Lying around it won't for a long time. Well, we see, I mean, we did the, the, the FA Cup in the, in the UK was played in front of 8,000 supporters yesterday. So that, that was good. I mean, bit by bit. Yeah. Um, sports, entertainment. I'm looking forward to going. I can't wait to get back into a theatre. Um, but I don't know when that's going to happen. But these are things we can but dream of. Absolutely. And when we resume them, they will be of a different form, like perhaps the Oscars last night. On which note, I must just say, I'm so delighted that Tony Hopkins won the Oscar. Yes. Yeah, I'm dying because to see it. Apparently, you know, the, the emotional um, impetus behind is it Chadwick Boseman, the guy who died, who was in Ma's Somebody's Black Bottom. I, I yeah, don't Ma know. Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, I can understand why everybody sort of Paul felt wouldn't it be wonderful if he won, because it's a brilliant film, a uh, um, message of the moment, very much. Um, and, you know, an actor of colour. There were all sorts of reasons, but everybody said Tony Hopkins, it was a career defining. Yeah, I, it is on my list of, of films to see, and I'm also looking forward to seeing Nomadland. Do you know uh, the loveliest thing today? I, well, to me, it was one of the loveliest things. He, he, because they were doing the Oscars so differently, he was in Wales, and he didn't go to London to the ceremony there. He went to his father's grave in oh, Wales. Nice. Because his father died many years ago, obviously, and and it was he drew on his father for his own performance wow. as a sufferer of dementia in a film called The Father, and he tried to recite a Dylan Thomas poem in the churchyard, "Do not go gently into that night, rage at the dark," and he he couldn't. He broke down in in his father's, at his father's grave, he couldn't actually get the whole of the poem out. It was so wonderful. And I'm so delighted at this great age that he's won something because I've loved this guy for years. I, I have. I'm the oldest actor ever to win an Oscar, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Delighted it, it, at that. Well-deserved. I'm just sorry, Wolf Walkers didn't win the animated film. If anybody has seen it, it's a fabulous Irish-made animation film uh, with um, some lovely... British actors in it, two British actors' voices, Wolf Walkers. That that was my sadness that that didn't pick up an award. But I'm sure Soul is a wonderful animated film. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but yeah, lots lots to take out of the Oscars. I think I I always like the Oscars because it gives me a list of things to watch over the next coming months. So Nomadland and The Father are top of my list for now. I have never liked westerns, but I am looking forward to us they say it is a modern take on the old western where you have drifters just riding through the west and i believe jobs where they can yeah and some of some of the people that the film was based on were at the ceremony as well i believe so they were guests of the director so that's great exactly i i, I think that the film includes real life people yes yes rather than just actors you know and she is stunningly Brilliant as an Well, actor. I was going to say, if I, uh, my top three actresses would include Olivia Coleman from The Father and yes, Frances McDormand yes. from everything she's ever done, really. Since, since ever I first done. saw her in Fargo, I just thought, wow, I love this woman. Yeah, um, so. likewise. likewise. <laughs> she's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. We're never going to be nominated for an Oscar, Janet, I'm afraid. I can live with that. Yeah, I can live with that. <laughs> but you know. I mean, <laughs> 
we'll see. We'll, we, you know, we'll get to a film ceremony or we can maybe be nominated for a podcast of the week or something. <laughs> I'd like to go to San Sebastian, you know, to the film festival up there. That would yeah, be a bit... That would be fun. That would be fun. I'd like to do that. Well, you know, we should, we should think about, this is what we can plan for ourselves. In a, in a year or two, we could do a canary cast, but from the peninsula. We can go somewhere and we, record we a, a podcast together. We might get an interview there. Yeah. yeah. We could do a red carpet podcast, get an interview with Antonio Banderas. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Do you, is it just because you want to meet Antonio Banderas? That's really it, isn't it, Janet? Let's, let's kind of put aside the That's messing it. here. <laughs> what other reason could there be? <laughs> well, exactly. We'd be well, I, I got the microphone. <laughs> Mr. Bardem, <laughs> if you're listening, we're on our way. <laughs> and Miss Crows, you have nothing to fear, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, listen, we shall leave it at that because uh, we want to bring you now an interview that I recorded earlier with Karen Cochran. Now, Karen's been on the program before speaking about wellness and, and health and, and alternative views, but she's also an excellent accountant. Um, yes. And she mm -hmm. has her, her company's called Tara Biz. And on her Facebook page, she's posting kind of like help videos and informative videos because we're in the tax, uh, campaign window this is what Spain does it has about a two-month window when you can make your tax returns and this year there's been a lot of headlines and confusion and balking at the fact that people who have been on ERTE which was the kind of the state payment for those who have had no work because of COVID are obliged probably nearly everybody but a lot of people obliged to make a tax return uh, and I so I asked Karen to speak to us because it taxes so not my area, but I also think it's really important that people understand, even though they might feel it is completely unfair, that they need to understand why they have to do it and what happens if they don't. So let's have a listen to Karen. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you that it's so important that it, it's not a field that one gets into unless you are qualified to know your stuff. So neither you nor I have ever dealt with this and, and yeah. she does know her stuff. So it's worth listening. So I'm joined by Karen Cochran from Tara Biz, who uh, would, Tara, it's an accountancy firm, it's an assessoria, you deal with uh, tax, which is why we're talking today, because one of the big confusing questions I think that I'm seeing on Facebook at the moment is if people on ERTE, which would be the kind of furlough scheme, have to declare tax, a lot of people are saying why. So can you just explain that to us, Karen? Okay, um, normally I think we need to go back a step and just talk about what we, we would call minimum thresholds. Can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Right. I think we need to talk about the minimum concept of minimal thresholds. Minimum threshold in tax uh, is around 22,000 euros. What does that mean? In practical terms that uh, a person can earn 20 to up to 22,000 euros without having the obligation of actually presenting a personal tax, which is called RENTA, R-E-N-T-A, every year. And um, we do, uh, because the tax year in Spain is to, from the 1st of Jan to the 31st of December, um, the personal tax uh, draws all of that personal tax uh, questions 
into a one-off tax return that needs to be done the following year. And we, we've just started the campaign as such, as they call it in Spain, opened on the 7th of April. And it goes up, the deadline is to the 30th of June, okay? okay. So under normal circumstances, what basically happened was if you had that threshold from one, under 22,000 euros a year earnings, from one source, you mm -hmm. didn't have the obligation to do a tax return. Okay. So what has happened last year was when the ERTI or the furloughing system came through, in effect, workers who have previously never had, because they were under their wages, the earnings aren't that high, they were not obliged and they never actually got into the rhythm and role of doing a rent or personal tax every year. Mm -hmm. This this year has changed because they've received an effect monies from two different sources, i.e. from the Spanish government on their ERTE or the furloughing payments and from their bosses in the first three months of the year. And if they've gone back to work, they've had a, a proper nomina or a payroll slip every month. They've gone back to work or they've gone back to work part time from a full time contract. In effect, they've received their money, so their income from two sources. So there we, were expecting, we were expecting that the Spanish government would have common sense and not make people have to do a tax return. However, that's not the case. Why? Because in all of this uh, storm that has been brought up with all of this, one of the, the serious problems or defects in the Spanish system is that they were not capable of practicing tax retentions on the furloughing payments. So effectively what people have got is they've got 70% of their normal wage, but they've had no tax retention in those payments taken or held back. So um, there's quite a few workers who I would normally not have had to do a tax return. And now they're not only having to do a tax return, and this is why this information is so vitally important to get out to people. Um, you know, you may not have ever done a tax return, but you have to do one now if you've had a nomina or a payroll, a pay wage or a wage from a boss, and you've had early or furloughing payments from SEPI, then you have to do a tax return. That's the first thing. Okay. Within, during the annual year of, of 2020, is that correct? Or what's that? Time exactly. Okay, perfect. Exactly. Um, sorry about that. Um, I yeah. had a, a call coming in. Um, yes. So we're talking about the 2020 year, moving forward into 2021. 2021 for 20 in 2022 we'll probably have to do another another recording <laughs> probably but for, for 2020 um there's a lot of people out there that first and foremost don't think uh that they have to do and they're obliged at the moment to do they're forced it's an obligatory thing it's not optional okay and secondly most importantly not only they're going to have to do a tax return but they probably will have to pay some tax to the spanish government okay. And can I just, I mean, I know when I've been on the PARO in the past, which is unemployment benefit, it's similar. You also need to do a tax return. Just because you've received money from the government doesn't mean it, that retentions aren't required. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, the difference, I would say, if somebody's on a, on a PARO and it's coincided that the only source of income they've had in that year has only been the PARO and they've had tax retention taken back because a lot of people on PARO have tax retention, okay? The same way a pension here, they'll not pay you the full amount, they will hold back some money. 
Okay. However, with the Arte, the, the exceptional uh, sort of crisis situation created, they weren't incapable of, the system was incapable of controlling it. So they basically have made payments to workers. A lot of people, and that's another video, and a lot of people on, on Arte haven't actually had their full amount of money. Uh, the system's been done, it's been hacked, etc. So in the middle of all of this, people have been distracted by these other things. And that's why I think it's so important that if your listeners are listening into this, it may not necessarily affect them, but they certainly have friends and family who will be affected, who normally would not do a tax return. Because um, what would the consequences of not, say you, you don't realize and you don't do a tax return. My next question. They, the tax, the tax man here will not let that go. They have, um, they have so many, you can imagine across Spain, how many millions of workers who are affected by this. So this is money in effect that the Spanish government have not put into their coffers. So they're missing money. Do you really think that the Spanish tax system is going to allow people get to get away with it? No, they will. They will actually, I believe, contract people specifically to investigate and to go after people who have not paid their tax. Now, I'm not scaremongering. I'm just telling the truth. Yeah. And there is um, they have up to five years or four years. They can go up to year. five years after the fact. So therefore, and another thing that I think people, a lot of the, the listeners will either be Irish or British expats living and working here. And a lot of people have the attitude, oh, well, so dumb, excuse the Irish, I'm gonna bugger back home, off back home and I'm not gonna pay the tax. The problem with that is now that with the common reporting standard, there is a direct free flow of information between both countries, okay. all right, between the tax system here and the tax system in the UK, the inland revenue and the Irish system. And I would recommend that people do not ignore this. This is an obligation and it will chase you. It will not go away. It will get bigger. Why do I mean it will get bigger? They can fine you for not non-presentation. The minimum fine here is 250 euros. Mm -hmm. They can also charge you the legal amount of interest. And if, they, if the amount that you are due to pay is over a certain amount, they can actually charge you up to 50% on a fine of the, the, the tax that you didn't pay. So say you were due to pay a thousand euros, you could end up having like 2,100, 2,200 euros of a fine situation. And also at that stage, if they go after you, you've missed out on the window of opportunity of postponing the payment, because that's another thing. It's not all negative. If you have been in the earth situation furloughed, if you need to do your tax return, which if you've had a job and furloughed, you will have to do it. You can also, if you do this before you negotiate the payments, you can actually pay over six months interest free. Okay. okay? But that needs to be done voluntarily. In other words, you need to go through the process of presenting, preparing a tax return, getting somebody like ourselves to do it for you. And then saying, right, I want to postpone the payment because so I, I don't actually have all of the money today. Because, you know, people will have spent their money. Okay. So if you don't, if you wait until they come after you, you will miss that opportunity and you will have to pay it in one lump sum or they'll put an embargo against you or a hold against you, your bank account, your car. Um, They're not nice people. <laughs> They're not. I do, do really not think that people should mess with this. It's, it's a serious situation that... Karen, um, you, you, I'm going to let you go because I know you're really busy, but you have a, a series of videos 
outlining what people need to do, where can they see those videos? And also it'll be the same page, they can find your contact details. Okay, um, it's Tara Biz, that's T-A-R-A, -A, as in Tara, as in um, Irish, and Biz, B-I-Z. So it's Tara Biz on Facebook. Yeah, um, or they can find me, they can look for me on Facebook, Karen Cochran, Karen Cochran Hall, and uh, they can see I'll be doing ongoing, doing quite a few videos. And the good thing about a Facebook Live is that people hop on to it. They can also ask me questions, live okay. questions. Um, so, you know, the information is there. And if people have further questions, they can perhaps write them in to you and we can do another, another call. That's not a problem. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. <laughs> thank you so much Karen my absolute pleasure I think that it's a social need that people get this information and whether they want to do the tax return with us another tax accountant or even go to the tax office because that is an option you can ask for an appointment over the phone mm -hmm. and they they can actually help you prepare but I as a tax accountant I would just leave the idea of sleeping with the enemy is not always good <laughs> Nice, so, <laughs> so God bless you all and, and I hope that uh, this isn't a too big a shock to your system but it's important to be in the know. Right so I think it's spelled out pretty clearly there Janet that uh, first yes. of all go on the Tarabiz Facebook page um, and as Karen said you can type questions as her live videos are going out and she will answer them um, and I would just say to everybody if you feel that you are eligible to pay tax or eligible for a tax return, which might be the case, make a declaration because like Karen said, the tax people here are not going to be turning blind eyes. No. Unfortunately, it's the sadness of the kind of time we're living in that it might mean that people have to pay money back, but they will be flexible in terms of payback schemes and timeframes and stuff like that. So it, it is a shame. It, it is a shame when these um, Ayudas, when these benefits are, are taxed. But I, I think most places now tax these sorts of benefits. Even pensions have been, I remember when they introduced a tax on pensions in the UK and everybody was up in arms. And you think, well, maybe you shouldn't be the ones paying the tax. But I think it's, it's not, uh, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is what it is. And um, it'll sting. But um, it's better to do it now rather than pay those kind of hefty fines that Karen was talking about. And Absolutely. And we don't want to get into trouble as well as everything no. else with the tax authorities. You yeah. know, it's just not worth and they, I've, I have been gone after in previous years for something that was entirely not my fault. And much as I tried to explain and with proof of, I ended up just having to pay a couple of hundred euros because yeah. they weren't relenting. So... No. I'm not a criminal, I promise, but it was just something that was beyond my control, but it affected my tax return and I hadn't realized at the time. And there is a five or four or five year window and they came after me just before it ended. So it will yeah. happen. I, th I think it's a four year window. It does speak though, doesn't it, very clearly of the need to engage someone to help you, a professional who knows what they're doing, even though it involves a small cost. But it's a small cost. You know, it's a small cost, and yet it guarantees that you are not going to have a very, very big cost and a yeah. load of trouble later and, down. I mean, we're not in any way promoting Karen as the accountant. She even says herself, you know, you don't have to come to me, but 
if you feel at all that you don't really understand it is a very complicated kind of return. Uh, a tax, like to pay an accountant, normally it's a, a, a down payment of 50 or 60 euros. And unless sure. there are major complications in your return, that might be all you have to pay or some others work on a percentage of any money you make it back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's worth doing. So on a bit of a glum note, we're going to leave it for this week. Um, I have spoken to our mutual friend, David Urbano, who is more than uh -huh. happy to join us for our Eurovision special, Janet, which we will have to do quite soon. <laughs> it will be. It's only 22 days, three weeks or so, to the first semi-final. I know. So we, I, you And know, Malta is still in the lead. Malta still, yeah. I mean, even David says, oh, Malta. So we've already played Malta. So I'm not going to play Malta <laughs> I can just today. imagine him. <laughs> But it is, it's kind of one of those songs that it's just like, you know, it's not just a little bit ahead, it's streets above everybody else in the betting. Um, if you haven't it, it seen really it yet, go, go and have a look at it, if you're at all interested in Eurovision, because yeah. it's just, it's got everything. But there are two or three other songs in the contest this year that just get into your, just get under your skin and into your head. They're real earworms. There are, there and are. Iceland's very much one of them. Once it gets in your head, you, you really have Absolutely. a job dislodging it. And, and we've, so mentioned, we've mentioned Switzerland and France. Uh, Albania is another one that's worth having a look at, I'm telling you. But here's my... I, I like the Albanian Yeah, much, I think it's but good. It's, it's the bottom of the betting. Nobody else seems... No, I like it too. But I want Albania to know as well is when they're going to actually give us back some a better voting system because I really don't like the way... You get all the public voting on the phone in and then suddenly the quick jury voting comes in and overturns everything and there's no I don't like that anymore they, that has to be changed they the, i think was it two or three years ago they introduced that as a new system then maybe a bit more three or four years ago and well i think it's awful actually i remember when the year duncan lawrence won um the swedish was it the swedish guy thought he had won it and in the very last announcement of the vote the netherlands overtook sweden and it yeah was, and this is the kind of previously counted totted up vote yes. that we don't see coming in bit by bit exactly. and it suddenly brings in 400 votes for somebody so it, eurovision it, people janet and i don't like it we and don't like it at all <laughs> So please like take note, Eurovision Broadcasting yeah. Union, we're not happy. And we are two super fans and we are not happy. No, and we, we bring a lot of people with us. Oh, don't we just? Two or three <laughs> at least. All right, Janet Anscombe, I will talk to you next week and we will have to pick a date for our Super Eurovision cast. We certainly will. Right. And we will do English Time News Roundup. Look forward to talking to you live on Thursday. Next, yeah, on Thursday. This week, this week. So, in fact, if anybody has something they want us to deal with, we'll be looking over the news of the month of April. So, it will be vaccines and there will be tax and we will, you know, we'll talk about any big headline stories, I think, nationally and locally, um, but international stories that affect all of us as well, we will certainly be having a look at. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone.